Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is scheduled for waterfall or TV time remaining. Introducing first, from the sovereign nation of Poe Landon, follow him on Twitter at Landoz, it's Landon Tone. Yay, and the crowd goes mild. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, my tag team partner, if you will. By God, he is my best friend. It's Will Rab. Rab, how are we doing this evening? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, good brother uh, Dawes. Yeah, it's interesting you throw out the term good brother because I do consider us good brothers. But uh, the term good brother has been getting a whole lot of traction here recently in the world of professional wrestling. And that's because two of the hottest free agents are now, well... No longer free agents, but we'll get to that here in a bit. We call that a tease in the business. Do you call that a tease? That's a pretty good one as well. So, yeah, it's some exciting uh, times in the world of professional wrestling. But, uh, Daz, primarily today, I think we want to kind of get everybody caught up on all the awesome stuff that's been going on uh, in, in all elite uh, wrestling. Uh, two nights of Fighter Fest, Fight for the Fallen, and... Those were three really good episodes, uh, you know, of Dynamite. I've been live tweeting, live uh, quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, quote unquote. Uh, tweet. <laughs> Time elapsed to live tweeting, but yes. <laughs> I, I live tweeted both nights of, of Fighter Fest, and I had some stuff go on. I couldn't watch Fight for the Fallen Live, but I had some thoughts, and I have a Twitter page. <laughs> and by God, you're going to Kind of like it. Ron Burgundy. I don't, I don't have a mountain. I have a news camera. <laughs> three really strong episodes of dynamite uh you know maybe if you're trying to build it up to pay-per-view level i wouldn't say it was an a-plus pay-per-view especially when you compare it to double or nothing or or, or revolution uh the two previous uh uh actual pay-per-view cards that aew did uh but i think uh three really good nights uh, of television it just showed you um it, it showed you the in-ring talent that AEW has and not that WWE doesn't have really good talent but what's possible when uh, highlighting that talent uh, is your focus yeah and i i would actually say card wise the 3 weeks of dynamite we've just gotten i would say Card-wise, match-by-match, it is on a level of a pay-per-view. Now, granted, I don't think it delivered quite as well as Double or Nothing or as Revolution did on the AEW side. But something you mentioned, talent-wise, AEW can stack up with anybody in the world. And and the shows that we did get on three weeks on cable television, not with a pay-per-view money down to watch this, I like... As a wrestling fan, I cannot complain. Like there were some really big moments in all of these. We got to see some dream matches over the over the that three week span. So I'm very pleased, not only as a wrestling fan, but particularly as a fan of all elite wrestling. I mean, just real quickly, a recap. We'll go back to Fighter Fest night one, July first. Uh, Jurassic Express did get the dub. Uh, that was Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus with Marco Stunt defeating MJF and Wardlow. Although it is worth noting, it was Wardlow who took the pin, so technically MJF has not still not been pinned in AEW. A fact he will not let you forget. <laughs> Hikaru Shida uh, successfully defended the AEW Women's Championship uh, versus Penelope Ford. Uh, great match, uh, especially with Kip Sabian, Sabian getting thrown out early, and then he comes back anyway and, and tries to interfere 
uh, in the match, but ultimately uh, Sheeta uh, takes care of business, and holy Sheeta is still your AEW Women's uh, Championship. Cody with uh, the uh, head coach of the Nightmare Family, the enforcer Arn Anderson, defeated Jake Hager. Uh, Jake had his wife at ringside. Catalina, I believe her name is. Catalina Hager, yeah. Uh, that was a, a good match. They beat the tar out of each other. And then again, Cody got the quick finish, which that, among a couple other things, AEW is going to have to stop doing. Well, uh, quick finish in a 15-minute match, but yeah, yeah. When, when it came to the go-home segment, I get what you're saying. The, 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 the surprise pin finish, getting the quick roll-up, and Cody kind of escapes. Like That's becoming like one of those things that they're you know, going to the well uh, a little bit uh, too much. Private Party got a big victory over the inner circle, Santana and Ortiz. That set up a match. For night two, which we'll get to in a moment in the main event, uh, night one, Kenny Omega, Adam Page, uh, Team Last Call, let's call them, uh, defeated the best <laughs> friends, Chuck, uh, and Trent, and Sue. Yeah, for yeah. the AEW yeah. World Tag Team Championship. <laughs> yeah, I guess the best friends are no longer a trio with Orange Cassidy. You got to throw a throw Mama Friend in there as well. Uh, although they still can't, I mean, they still can't figure out a good BTE bit, so. No, no, they can't. And according to BTE, apparently Sue is part of the Dark Order now. She joined up with those creepy perverts. So, you know, uh, not the best decision maker uh, Mama Friend is, apparently. That's why you can't let, you can't let your mom wander around backstage at a wrestling <laughs> show. Bad things are going to happen. Mm-hmm, uh, especially with creepy, a, creepy perverts walking end around. Up in a, end up in a cult. At night two, as we mentioned, uh, that victory by private party set up a, a main event for them. It actually opened the show, but, you know, Dynamite likes to, and AEW likes to open the show with main event level matches uh, because uh, John Moxley's wife, Renee Young, uh, was, had COVID-19 actually, had the coronavirus. Uh, Moxley uh, stayed away uh, for a couple weeks. So they had to postpone uh, the uh, match with Brian Cage. So instead, they added another tag team world championship match. Omega and Page defeated Private Party. But I thought two really good showings for Private Party mm-hmm. on both weekends of Fighter Fest. Lance Archer defeated Joey Janela. Uh, I enjoyed that one because Lance Archer's a big physical dude and Joey Janela likes to hurt himself. Yep. And so they beat the snot out of each other. Big eight-man tag, Butcher and Blade and the Lucha Brothers defeated FTR and the Young Bucks. Uh, Nyla Rose defeated Kenzie Page and Kylan King. They had a a, a squash match, and then she announced that she was going to make a big announcement the next week, which was that her new manager is now Vicky Guerrero. I like that pairing. Very smart move. And then uh, Colt Cabana and the Dark Order, Brody Lee and Stu Grayson, defeated SoCal and Censored, uh, CD, Frankie, and Scorpio Sky. And in the main event... Chris Jericho with Santana and Ortiz defeated Orange Cassidy, who had the best friends in his corner in a singles match that, uh, I don't know, there were a couple of times, one of the things I did like about Fighter Fest is you kind of thought about it logically, you could figure out who your winners are going to be, and you can go back and listen to our prediction podcast. I was waiting for Jericho uh, to uh, hit the uh, elbow, the Judas Effect, which is still undefeated in AEW, uh, but it was coming down to the wire uh, on uh, that second night of Fighter Fest. And there are a couple times I thought Orange Cassidy just might go over and get the dub. And then the same thing in that tag match between Omega Page 
and the best friend. So we didn't have any title changes at Fighter Fest. Dodge real quick before we move on to fight for the fallen. Just some overall thoughts on what we saw uh, happen uh, at Fighter 2020. Uh, I loved the eight-man tag match we got between the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Brothers, FTR, and the Young Bucks. I feel, I know a couple podcasts ago we talked about how the best friends and uh, Hikaru Shida had really elevated themselves and taken advantage of the opportunities presented to them during the nightmare tapings we ended up calling them. Uh, I want to I, I say the same thing about the Butcher and the Blade. I feel like in the last few weeks they've really not only elevated their game, but they've taken that next step to get into that next tier and what is already a stacked tag team division in AEW. I would say that's their strength if I'm being honest, but very impressed with them and the Lucha brothers, the way they kind of had some sort of alliance, uh, that Canadian destroyer to the outside, uh, that, uh, Phoenix pulled off. That was a holy shit moment that we'll see as long as AEW is still around. Um, I'll echo what you said about the Orange Cassidy-Chris Jericho matchup. Obviously, the smart money, for a good reason, was on the champion to walk away. But I love, love, love the way they worked in the Judas Effect elbow because I know some people, and I've seen this online, they talked about how it's not quote-unquote, a good finisher because it's not flashy. There's no big setup. You know, he he doesn't call for it. He just kind of bang does it. But, I mean, that's kind of what... An, that's the point. Exactly. It's an elbow to the temple. It's supposed to knock you out. And I thought the way they worked it into the finish with Orange Cassidy going for that Superman forearm and then just bang... Jericho caught him one, two, three. I thought that was a star-making performance for Orange Cassidy, somebody who's already over with the fans. When, when, when it comes to pops and when it comes to fan adoration... I think Orange Cassidy is right up there with every member of the elite, and he might be ahead of some of the members of the elite, but I thought in-ring-wise that was a star-making performance for Orange Cassidy. It looks like we're going to continue that feud in the future. I'm excited for that. Um, top to bottom, I really enjoyed these two nights uh, squashed together, but I thought your match of the night's plural, was that eight-man tag match where the Butcher and the Blade and the Lucha Bros picked up the victory. Kind of surprising that FTR was already on a quote-unquote losing side of a match. Now, granted, they weren't the ones that caught the one, two, three, or the submissions, so they are still unblemished when it comes to that, if you want to use the MJF uh, logic. But I was kind of surprised to see the outcome. I didn't dislike it, uh, but yeah. Uh, and, and also, that Lance Archer Joe Janela match, that was just brutal, and I loved every second of it. Lance Archer is a big, mean, bad man, and I like to see him hurt people. Yeah, I'll agree with you real quick to go back to the whole Jericho thing. I, I think the thing I like about the Judas effect, again, it, it, you know, it's, not, it, it's not flashy, but again, we've gotten to the point in pro wrestling, you know, a Canadian destroyer used to be your finisher. You'd hit a Canadian destroyer on a guy, and there was no way he was going to kick mm -hmm. out. Or, a, a, you know, they would say, oh, just a basic, like, frog splash, not even like a 450 or anything, just a simple frog splash. Rob Van Dam used that forever. I mean, it, it wasn't smart, but uh, Chris Benoit basically jumped off the top rope and headbutted you. It, mm -hmm. it, there was a time where, like, that was like a believable finisher. A super kick used to be the end of the match. Yeah, yep. and look, I'm not, I'm not complaining because I love. I think I tweeted about fighter or fight for the fallen when you had the match with the the elite versus Jurassic Express. There's nothing wrong with sending a bunch of spot monkeys out there and letting them hit some spots. Like it can be really entertaining, and I don't want to just see a plundering, 
you know, wrestling match like it was in the in the 40s or the 50s, and it's a bunch of holds and things of that nature. But <laughs> I, I like when you have something that can be differentiated. And if you're in the real world of combat sports, if you watch MMA, like I'm not sure the Judas effect is a legal MMA move, but like in that world, that is v- – not just in that world, it's a very belie- actual believable finisher because if you take an elbow to somebody's temple, they're going night-night in yep. real life. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's such a good move. And like you said, they can deploy it out of anywhere. You know, in an era where uh, it seems like, and again, I'm not criticizing AEW for this, like obviously, you know, they're thinking logically through these matches and they're doing what's made them successful everybody's kicking out of everybody's finisher. You know, mm-hmm. the, the fight for the fallen main event, uh, Cage uh, kicked out of uh, the paradigm shift. Yeah. So he had to submit him. I, it, it is nice to see a move that, A, comes out of nowhere, and B, is lethal. It's like you said, back in the day, Shawn Michaels hit you with that super kick. I'm sorry, I love you. One, two, three, ring the bell. Mm-hmm. Uh, Austin hits you with a stunner. Your 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 back your your ass wasn't getting back up, and, and so I, I like that with the Judas effect. I think Matt. I actually have two matches of the night because I'm going to give a match of the night for each night of Fighter Fest. Uh, I agree with you uh, on the eight man tag. I think just to be different and spotlight another match, even though it was the main event, doesn't matter. Uh, I thought Chris Jericho and Orange Cassidy really delivered. That was a pay per view quality match that's my match of the night from night two just uh to shake things up and then i really got to give it uh, to the physical main event again uh from night one kenny omega and adam page versus the best friends man that was a match again there were a couple of times where i thought best friends were going to get the job done against uh, kenny and hangman and we were going to have new uh world tag team uh champions uh, real quick fight for the fallen results um before we get into some more uh, commentary on the last several weeks, uh, Cody with Arn Anderson defeated Sonny Kiss. That was a great match for the TNT yes. Championship. Uh, I, I like to echo what I said about the Orange Cassidy match. Uh, that was a star-making performance for Sonny Kiss. Sonny Kiss brought it, and I hope opened some eyes because that is that is a side of Sonny that we had not seen yet. And I mean, like, hell of a match. Was it 100% tight at all places? No. But the story they told, the action we got in the ring was top-notch. Uh, bravo to both performers. And I will say this, and Sonny talks about this on this week on uh, Talk is Jericho, which, look, I don't care. I'm going to tell you to go listen to other uh, podcast if they're good <laughs> I, I'm not trying in my wildest dreams I will not compete with uh, Chris Jericho for podcast relevance like that's a whole different no screw that we're coming for on. you the champion <laughs> get some orange juice for you to, to mess up your mess up your podcast yeah you're with your seven thousand dollar jacket Sonny was talking about and this is something I hadn't thought about until they brought it up and then it was like oh well that's obvious we, we forget that Daly's place is outside and what is it right now in the South, Landon? A uh, bazillion degrees. So, you know, some of the things you were talking about it, we noticed that maybe maybe Jericho in the Cassidy match looked a little slow. I don't know if it's like a storyline thing with Cody or he's just like, hey, I'm going to take real life and own it and turn it into, you know, an angle instead of it being a botch and it's embarrassing that I was a little slow. Hey, I was a little slow. Arn got up my ass. I'm going to fix him. I'm going to go back in the gym. Um, 
But they're wrestling in 90-degree heat, so I think that kind of explains some of that. But that was still a great match, especially mm-hmm. for Sonny Kiss to have that spotlight, to kick off that episode of Dynamite. And you have her slash him come out and has the dance with the cheerleaders and everything. So good. And, and gets to spotlight uh, her personality and everything she stands for. I also highly encourage you to go listen to that hour interview she did with Jericho talking about uh, coming up through the ranks and and and, and uh, gender identity and all of that. It, it's so great that AEW is this environment that uh, supports that and I think helps foster discussions about things oh, because you have to figure out what to call Sunny Kiss who's technically a gay man, but says, hey, you want to call me a, a guy when I'm wrestling guys? You want to call me a girl when I'm wrestling girls? I don't care. I'm me. I'm Sonny Kiss. I'm a badass. And I had a really good match with Cody um, uh, out there. So that happened. Uh, FTR uh, defeated the Lucha Brothers. Uh, another really solid match. And most importantly, uh, Dawes, uh, FTR got their pickup truck back. Yeah, they did, and uh, they also got a little bit of uh, their heat back, too, not only with that finish against the Lucha Bros, but uh, kind of planted some seeds of what to, what might be coming later with Kenny Omega. Uh, the Young Bucks come out to celebrate, uh, return the truck you just mentioned, and Kenny wanted to come and uh, cheers some suds, and FTR had some other ideas, and, and, and we've... We, Ever since that happened uh, between what happened later in the card and then on Being the Elite, by the way, watch that on YouTube, kind of seems we're seeing a different side of Kenny Omega, which excites me a little bit. Yeah, so for those who didn't know, at uh, Fighter Fest, what, it was night two uh, when Kenny and Hangman had had their match with, with Private Party, uh, FTR uh, brought him some beers or whatever. And of course, Hangman obliged because he he's never uh, <laughs> turned down a, a drink like he uh, is a functioning alcoholic. Yes, <laughs> he and he and I have something in common. We're we're, we're both uh, unlicensed bartenders. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, Kenny Omega, uh, he's not Christian AF like Matt and Nick Jackson. Uh, he's more straight edge, I guess. If anything else, although if you watch BTE, he's addicted to uh, Spark uh, <laughs> powder. Uh, he and Brandon, even though Brandon Cutler is about to get murdered. because uh, <laughs> yeah, You just need to watch BTE, folks. Uh, anyway, uh, Kenny dumped out the beer. Uh, FTR took uh, offense to that because that's alcohol abuse. So I took offense uh-huh. to that, too. Yep. If you don't want it, that's fine. Just give it to somebody else. Yeah, that's a waste of good alcohol, Kenneth. Sometimes a man just has a beer because, you know, you need to do good business. And so FTR dumped uh, the beer offered by Kenny Omega onto Kenny Omega. Uh, also, uh, again, that elite match, uh, uh, Omega, uh, Matt Nick defeated Jurassic Express. That's the six man I was talking about where sometimes, hey, uh, you know, uh, this is, uh, really awesome. We just, you know, you, sometimes you need 15 minutes of, uh, high spots. And I thought at the same time it, it was logical and it made sense. It wasn't just like, hey, we're just going to do a bunch of spots. They told a good story in that match. Is it the same way Cody tells the story with his style of Southern brand of wrestling? No, but it was really entertaining. And that was a good 15 minute segment that made both, uh, both sides, uh, look good. You, you mentioned that other side of Kenny Omega attacking Marco stunt after the bell. I do wonder if the uh, cleaner, uh, is maybe returning or is this again, uh, me being more of a novice Kenny Omega fan, I may be going in the wrong direction with this, but working be- to- back towards that best bout machine, Kenny Omega, and he kind of goes 
lone wolf here. I don't know, but like you, I'm excited to see what happens there. Uh, Nightmare Sisters uh, beat some local jobbers. By the way, one of those local jobbers from Knoxville, Tennessee, a student of the Jacobs Pritchard Wrestling Academy. Which local jobber do we need to get? Uh, Kenzie Page. Kenzie Page is, yeah, who's, is a uh, Knoxville-based local jobber. Yeah, had several appearances on Dynamite, so good for her. Uh, we we say that with all due love because AEW was making jokes during the pandemic when they were doing matches on BTE. Justin Roberts was introducing the <laughs> yeah. enhancement talent as two local jobbers. Yeah. Two local so, jobbers, yeah. <laughs> no no disrespect, that's just a, a, a wrestling BTE. Term of endearment. AEW joke. And then in the main event, John Moxley defeated Brian Cage. Taz uh, threw in the towel. Again, Brian Cage uh, kicked out of the paradigm shift. And John Moxley, true to his word, if he says he's going to do something, he does it. He says, I don't care. I'll rip your arm off. A- and Taz, uh, rightfully so, helped keep the machine in one piece. So that's what happened at uh, Fighter Fest uh, last week, Doth. Interesting you said there at the end, Taz, rightfully so. And, and, in retrospect and looking back on the finish, I do think it was the right move. But I'll be honest, I did not like that finish when it initially happened with Taz throwing in the towel. I totally understand why Taz did it from a from a story standpoint. He wants to in, uh, protect his investment. He wants to protect his guy. You know, uh, lose lose the fight, but don't but don't give up the war, so to speak. But in the heat of the moment, when it happened. I didn't like that, and I really enjoyed that matchup up until that point. Like, I actually had to rewind and double ch- and double check that that was a paradigm shift that Brian Cage kicked out of because I was convinced once he kicked out of the paradigm shift, it's like, oh hell, Moxley might actually lose the title here. Was uh, what did you think of that finish in the moment? So. I don't know if it's the finish I wanted, but I didn't have a problem with that being the finish if that was going to be the result. Because I, I do think it showed, a, I think it shows a level of respect for Brian Cage that he's strong enough to kick out of a paradigm shift. They're working in that storyline angle because, of course, the reason he debuted at Double or Nothing in AEW is he spent five months. Uh, rehabbing a, mm-hmm. an ar- a, what a bicep or a pec injury, an arm yeah. injury. So, like like that whole area was kind of jacked up. I'm I'm no Scientologist, so so I don't remember it off the top of my head. And so John Moxley targeted that as a very smart move uh, by the the champion. I think AEW's put themselves in a tough spot because I don't think obviously they want to take the belt off of John Moxley yet, but. They're going to have to soon. Do I still believe Brian Cage is a bad man, a very bad man? Yes, and it's the same thing with Lance Archer. Uh, matter of fact, I had zero problem with Cody being the first TNT champ. I think Archer came out of that uh, looking well. I think Brody Lee's still in a strong position uh, with the submission finish that he took at double or nothing. But you can't keep building up these monsters and the face always comes out on top. Mm-hmm. So again, I don't have I don't I didn't have a problem because I think it makes the storyline interesting and Cage is in a good job on Twitter even saying hey I had to consider if I'm still going to keep this alliance with Taz it makes a good storyline but I understand where you're coming from not so much the technical booking of the match but as a fan 
you were disappointed in the finish, not with the execution of the finish as it was decided. Hey, we need to do a submission. You know, Cage is 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 too strong willed to to give up the fight. Uh, Taz knows when to call off the dog. That's not the first time Taz has done that. Taz has told Brian Cage before. Hey, you know, you, you put Moxley through a car once. That's good. We sent the message. Let's go back and. Uh, eat like our sixth meal today because if you listen to a podcast with Brian Cage, I think all he does is eat all day. Hey, a machine like that has, has got to burn a lot of calories to stay in that shape. <laughs> yeah. No no kidding, dude. Like, he was I – want, I want to say it was uh, Unrestricted he was on recently, and they asked him – They Aubrey straight up asked him, like, what he eats, and it's unreal. Like, what he eats for breakfast, I could eat for a week. <laughs> It's like one of uh, The Rock's cheat days that he shows on Instagram, and it's like uh, he just folded up half of a Waffle House, and yep, that's what he's having for breakfast on a cheat If day. I ate a dozen eggs and oatmeal and all this other stuff, like, I, again, I, I, I would eat once that day. Uh-huh. But, uh, totally underst- <laughs> I, I totally understand that world of what, Brian Cage is, uh, let's see here, uh, 278 pounds. That's what he's billed as. And I believe he's every bit of that. Mm-hmm. Like, cause he's a body, he's a legit bodybuilding dude. Uh, so yeah, dude's got to eat. Anyway, uh, not to get sidetracked talking about, uh, Brian Cage macros. Cause that's just weird. Um, <laughs> uh, again, I- I'm not, fi- I'm not disappointed in, what was presented as the storyline, like that's a logical finish to kind of protect both parties. I'm kind of, I guess as a fan though, I can be disappointed. We were billed that basically for three weeks, you're going to get pay-per-view level cards for free. And there were no title changes. And there were, uh, let's see, an AEW world championship match. There were two TNT title defenses. There were two tag defenses and there was the women women's division. Now, I can, un- I can, Argue in some of those spots, it's not time to change the title. It's really probably not time to take the title off of John Moxley. But if that's the case, then maybe, again, it's not time to uh, match him up with Brian Cage or Brody Lee or here soon maybe you build towards uh, Lance Archer's back in the main event picture. Um, maybe it's time for a, a, another guy, but at the same time, you don't want to present matches that it's obvious who's going to win either. So mm-hmm. AEW's in a tough spot, mostly because they have too many face champions. Yeah. And I don't disagree with that. I mean, like on our, on our prediction uh, pod for uh fighter fest, I actually picked Brian cage to beat John Moxley, but at the same time, I didn't feel great about that because I don't think it's time to take the strap off of Mox, but at the same time, like, this whole COVID thing and the no crowds and the limited roster thing has not only hampered the world of wrestling as a whole, like, like I really feel like, like John Moxley's title reign has kind of like, like, I don't know if we're going to look back on it with an asterisk and I can I, like look across the proverbial aisle to the WWE. I would say the same thing to Drew McIntyre with his run with the WWE championship. It just feels weird. Like, like to have this over massive baby face that everybody loves. And he comes out to a smattering of nothingness. And, and like, I feel bad for these guys in these situations, but at the same time, you kind of have to play with the hand you're dealt. Um, something you said that AEW has too many face champions. Like, I, 
Part of me wants to agree, but I don't, I don't, I don't think the face alignment is the issue. I think, and this is something we've touched on in the past, and you made reference to it a few minutes ago. I think it's more of a formula that AEW almost has these monster of the week type characters, whether it be your Lance Archer, whether it be your Brody Lee, whether it be in this case your Brian Cage. They get built up to be these unstoppable forces, and then here comes your knight in shining armor to slay them. Like eventually, the monster is going to have to win. Uh, though I do think it's an interesting caveat on this week's episode of Dark, Taz and Brian Cage kind of added to their ranks with the recruitment of Ricky Stark. So, like, I think I think that could be a very interesting pairing and especially could help elevate uh, and continue the run that Brian Cage is on towards the top of the card. And it also gives them uh, somebody with massive charisma in Ricky Stark, too. And let's not forget that uh, Brian Cage is still the FTW uh, champion. So they have they have that. Feather. That is an unofficial title. It, I do just want to point that out. Title. Tony Khan said is. that himself. It is. But I mean, they're get look. They're they're giving him credit for it. They build it as champion versus champion at Fight for the Fallen. He has a different. He has an orange lower third. It may be an unofficial. Uh, championship, but AEW's embracing it, and I think rightfully so. It's it, Taz saying, "Hey, look, dude, pound for pound, this guy's championship worthy." He may have, uh, you know, we had to uh, lose the battle to try to win the war, but uh, Brian Cage is still a bad sob. Oh, absolutely. And speaking on the FTW title, I'm glad you brought that up. That was presented to Brian Cage on what night one. Of Fighter Fest, or was that night? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, night one when it uh, became. Uh, that was night two. No, excuse me, night two. Thank you for correcting me. Night two, uh, when we we didn't get that initial title match between him and Moxley. Am I the only one that felt that kind of forecasted where they're going? Because, like, again. If if it was me, like like maybe hold that off for the week after. He loses to Moxley in some screwy fashion. You can even go with the with the throw in the towel thing. Be like, you're an uncrowned champion, so here is your crown. You you didn't get uh, the AEW World Championship because John Moxley is a cheap, dirty son of a bitch. But this right here, this means more than give him the FTW Championship because like I like like I don't know something about that. The way it was presented to him was kind of underwhelming. I, I like the fact that this has now been introduced into the equation, but I don't know. It's like like maybe maybe the presentation didn't grab me the right way. Yeah, kind of thinking about that. When you first uh, brought that up last week, I thought, no. I, I had mentioned some sort of interim championship, but mm-hmm. the, and I, I kind of viewed uh, the FTW belt kind of in a similar fashion, even though, again, it's an unofficial uh, deal, uh, you know, it's not officially uh, sanctioned by AEW. Doesn't mean it's not a hell of a belt. <laughs> oh, that is a gorgeous title. Oh, uh, and the history is, is with it is great because it's the same belt. Like I think it still mm-hmm. says Taz on the side of it. Yeah, yeah, that is that is the original <laughs> that is the belt. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But it, it does kind of it, it does kind of cheapen it because a week later you got your match. Yep, and not only did you get your match, you lost that match too. So, because you know what I would have done if I would been AEW, and maybe they felt this was in bad taste, and it's not a face thing to do, and it's not in Moxley's personality. 
Well, no, wait, scratch that, because it's not Moxley's personality. It's, it's kind of stupid. But if he would, if they would have had to wait another couple weeks uh, for that match, then the belt would have made sense. Uh, how how you said, hey, look, you know, I threw it, I threw in the towel. You didn't, you didn't get pinned. Uh, you're an unofficial champion. But you know, I, I, I guess yeah, you could have done better. Uh, but overall, I still think it's a. It, it's kind of like MJF having the the dynamite diamond ring. It's still a useful tool uh, for Cage to have. Mm-hmm. You know, and down the down the line when he's done feuding with Mox or whatever, uh, you know, there have been FTW title defenses before. That could totally uh, be something that comes uh, into the equation. Uh, if need be, we just got to see where that goes. Those sound great, but I can't sanction it. Well, I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> he he didn't he didn't sex he didn't he didn't sanction Kenny Omega and uh, John Moxley beating the crap out of each other at uh, whatever uh, pay per view that was. Uh, full gear. Uh, the WWE had an unsanctioned match, and as a friend of mine on Twitter astutely pointed out, how's it an unsanctioned match if the guy has a uh, WWE refs uniform on. Uh, <laughs> we could ask AEW the, the the same thing. So I don't know if we should say unsanctioned. I think probably we should say the FTW championship is unofficial. There we go. Yeah, because clearly AEW's embracing it. It's unofficial. It's not like a lights out match, which is unsanctioned. You know what? Wrestling's silly. Let's just roll with it. Exactly. <laughs> We're it having means, fun. It damn means it. what we want. It means what we want it to mean when we want it to mean it. But uh, so, uh, Fighter Fest, or, or should we fight for the following? Uh, final thoughts on that match of the night, and we kind of move into where AEW is headed uh, now. Post these big uh, three kind of unofficial. Uh, free pay per views, if that makes sense. Network specials. Yeah, um, my match of the my match of the night. I made reference to it. We got to see some dream matches over these three weeks. Uh, I'm gonna go with one of those FTR and the Lucha Bros. I know some people did not like the finish on uh, that matchup where FT or where uh, Dax Hardwood uh, snatched the mask off of Ray Phoenix to get a dastardly one two three. Like there were some people really pissed off about that online, which by the way, I thought was funny. Uh, also, another reason I thought it was funny, uh, Dax was just a complete smartass about it on social media. Go follow both of those guys on uh, the Twitter machine. Yeah, I think pe- I think people have forgotten because they have this kind of uneasy alliance with the Young Bucks, but I think it's more just like FTRs, like, hey, dude, we got, bi- we got business to do with them. Uh, we're getting our pound of flesh before anybody else. FTR, they're heels, dude. Yep. That's exactly. their job. They're 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 the they're the bad guy. Like I'm really glad they're here. I totally want that pickup truck. It's gonna oh, it's one so of the sweet. downsides of going back to doing touring shows is they're not gonna be able to drive the pickup truck to the ring. Miss Sue's also not gonna be able to drive best friends to the ring in the minivan either. <laughs> Their minivan that was so funny. But they're heels. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're not supposed to like everything they do, but I'm a big fan of both of those guys. Hell. Excuse me. Hell, I'm a big fan of both of those teams, so I really enjoyed that match, and I can't wait for them to tangle in the future. Yeah, I think that was a really good match. Uh, I think match of the night at Fighter at, at Fighter for the Fallen though was the Elite versus 
uh, Jurassic yeah. Express, that six man. That was a good match. Was awesome. And I mean, unless it's just like universal, like I'm not, I wouldn't sit there if we were going back through Revolution and tell you there was a match better than the World Tag Team title match. That was a six star match. Would have been seven if it would have been in Japan. Talking on that match, uh, you mentioned it earlier. It's like, 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 can. Can we chill out on the Canadian destroyers, like like particularly in in what it seems like the Young Buck matches, like like let's let's just have a like month moratorium on Canadian destroyers because especially following the eight man tag match they had the previous week or I guess two weeks before that, like like it like like one of the Bucks was holding the other Bucks legs so they could do the Canadian destroyer. It's like yes, I know I just said wrestling silly, but. Come on, y'all. Seriously, come on. I, I think what we got to do is, again, the high spots need to have meaning. If you want to have a, a fast-paced athletic match, you can do that. I think the problem is we have too many moves that, that started out as finishers that have just come become part of your move set. And, and that makes sense because, you know, you had to go – above and beyond go big go home on these indie shows because people are just coming to see the young bucks wrestle mm-hmm. they may watch bt they may know some storylines but if the young bucks are wrestling uh, two local jobbers there's no storyline they're just put on a show and they want to see the highlights that's like going to see a live band you want to hear the hits you gotta tell yeah you, you you gotta you gotta tell the story so like again do you always have to get the finish with the Canadian Destroyer, but no. Or or Meltzer Driver 69 double <laughs> uh, pentagram electric boogaloo boom boom room. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a great move, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got to have meaning. Like, it's got to... The move, the move has to do damage, and it needs to, at the very least, lead to a very believable near fall, like, or it needs to set you up. Okay, I hit this Canadian destroyer on this guy, and he's all staggered, and then uh, Matt and Nick hit the super kick, and the super kick ends the match because, like, that's their signature move, right? Super kick party, everybody. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which I was uh, today years old only a few weeks ago when I realized – that the guy who makes all the music for the Young Bucks is their dad. Yep, Papa Buck. Papa Buck. I just put two or two together a few weeks ago, so I'm embarrassed to admit that. By the way, on the on the Chris Jericho uh, Rock and Rager cruise, which unfortunately has been postponed this year due to the COVID uh, virus, uh, they have a like elite band, and Papa Buck and uh, is there to play the keyboard and. Frankie Kazarian is on the base for the uh, the elite band. So yeah, is he? I, I did enjoy Spotapalooza between a Jurassic <laughs> Express and the elite, and I think what came out of that yes. that as we saw on, on BTE, uh, that tugged at my heartstrings when Marco Stunt was talking about "Don't meet your heroes." Don't meet your heroes, and then what Kenny said in the hallway. Don't meet your heroes. What a dumb <laughs> shit. <laughs> God. So good. I can't wait until, and I don't know exactly what they're going to do. Obviously, I think they're just going to kind of expand dark, and they're starting to experiment with dark having storylines on TNT. I don't want 
be, being the elite to fully transition to television because it'll lose some of its charm. Because I mean, you can't do five minutes on, on Chili's baby back ribs on TNT. Not without a sponsorship, at least. No. Uh, and as we saw, they ex- missed out on that contract. I'm excited that they're going to be able to expand some of that stuff, and I think you'll be able to have a few more vignettes when you have three hours of, of TV, and some of that stuff is really good. I think we should also mention we, we didn't get to this at Fight for the Fallen yet. Uh, Brian Cage was not happy uh, that he lost to John Moxley and, and proceeded to beat down John Moxley, and then uh, Darby Allen fell from the sky. Yes, how did we not mention that? From out of the darkness and into the light, here comes Darby Allen, somebody we haven't seen since, what, Double or Nothing, where where he killed himself uh, in that uh, all-in or double chips down, whatever the hell they called that ladder match. Casino ladder match. There it is, yeah, Circle gets the square. Your name's better. And it's interesting because leading up to that ladder match, it seemed like we were going to get some sort of program with Taz and Darby Allen, and lo and behold, now Taz has a murder machine not to be confused with the murder hawk monster in Brian Cage and Darby Allen. It looks like they're going right back into that program. And like I mentioned in this most recent edition of Dark, uh, there now seems to be an alliance between Brian Cage, Ricky Starks, and Taz. And in the last episode of uh, Dynamite, by the way, we're recording this on uh, July 22nd. So uh, in the last episode of Dynamite, it seems like there might be some sort of lone wolf alliance between Darby Allen and AEW world champion John Moxley. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things. I'm not sure if, you know, Moxley would uh, pee on anybody if they were on fire. But clearly Darby <laughs> Allen is that guy who's willing to come in and, and bail John Moxley out. Like, I don't think that would be a, a bad spot here. Uh, again, I don't want to overcrowd the, the, the tag uh, division, but if Moxley down the line here soon drops the strap to whomever, he and, and, and Darby Allin uh, in some sort of uh, stable uh, could be very intriguing. And this isn't the first time that they've kind of crossed paths and had like like a quote-unquote friendship because, you know, they are both lone wolf characters. Earlier, or not earlier, uh, at some point last year, they did kind of have like, a, all right, I watch your back, you watch my back type feel, and then they went on their separate ways. So, like, it, from a storytelling standpoint, I'm kind of excited to see AEW revisit that wrinkle. And plus, now they have Taz, Brian Cage, and apparently Ricky Starks to bounce off of. So that should be fun. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of exciting things to see. What's going to happen? I mean, you mentioned that we're recording this on the the twenty second of of July, so it's probably not going to get posted before uh, Dynamite tonight. Spoiler alert: but It will not. It will not. But uh, planned an open challenge for Cody. It'd be interesting to see who shows up there. Uh, among other, I mean, and John among Moxley other... teased this week. I believe it was on the Dan Lebatard show of all places. A big thing or a big surprise is going to happen this week on Dynamite. So I'm very interested to see what it's going to be. He he's got a, a a promo segment. Brian Cage has a promo segment. We'll have to see if Le Champion has gotten the orange juice out of his very expensive <laughs> his uh, seven thousand dollar jacket. Uh, also, can we give a tip of the cap to the AEW folks behind the scenes uh, that they dumped oh, holy eight, crap, bazil- yeah. eight bazillion gallons of orange juice on uh-huh. um, Chris Jericho and then 
uh, cleaned it up in the three, two and a half, three and a half minutes, however long the uh, the span of a commercial break. The span of a commercial break. Bravo, bravo. So that that was impressive because I was kind of wondering, uh, you know, because they tell you it's live, but they just kind of do whatever. Uh, they want on dynamite to wonder if maybe they had taped that. Nope. Uh, ahead of that time. Nope. Live. They 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 had uh, more than one layer of canvas on the ring, and they pulled it up, and they had another ring uh, canvas underneath it, uh, so they could pull that uh, stunt off. So that was yeah, bravo, uh, impressive. So um, obviously, you may have already seen what happens in the future when this gets posted, but this is going to be another big week of dynamite, and it's really exciting to see where things are going to go. And I don't want to get in the fancy booking realm, but I'm intrigued to see uh, what's going to go on in the TNT division with, with, with Cody. We, you and I both uh, seem to think it, it may be time for a Cody heel turn. Uh, you know, there's some stuff being teased on social media, uh, a, a potential uh, rebirth of a, of a stable. The tag division's hot right now. FTR and the Lucha Brothers aren't really into each other. Butcher and the Blade have returned, even though they look like they paint houses. Uh, <laughs> glad to have them back, although it's weird that the bunny's not the bunny anymore. Um, still, uh, to me. And then, you know, again, they plant these little seeds all the time. and They've been planting these seeds for a while that, you know, the elite is, is kind of fractured, especially if you watch BTE a couple weeks ago, the one, uh, you know, last day of summer or whatever it is. And what Hangman said there, and, and then what's happening in the main event side of things with, with Taz and Mox and, and and Cage, like you said, I people can say what they want. People have their opinions. There are people who are AEW marks who will defend everything AEW does and crap on everything the WWE does, and, and vice versa. Uh, I heard one stupid comment from some dumb WWE mark that the AEW hadn't built any storylines. They just did three pay-per-views in a row, and NXT was building storylines. And I can't really comment on what NXT is doing because I don't watch it. Not because I don't like wrestling. I just don't have that much time in my life, and I've decided, hey, AEW is my outlet. Yep, I get I think that. we're building good storylines in AEW. Like, I might be a little biased. I, I might be a little bit of a stand for AEW, but, uh, you know... I, I, I think I think we're heading in a very inter- interesting direction. These last three weeks have been big uh, for the company. Yeah, I'm very excited to see what AEW is going to do going forward. I'm obviously a big fan of the last three weeks of programming they've put on. I also want to give a shout out to NXT. Uh, Keith Lee, who is uh, probably the biggest thing in wrestling you, Rab, aren't aware of, uh, was able to unite both the NXT North American Championship with his newly won NXT Championship, uh, beating Adam Cole. Uh, I love Mason Keith Lee. He is one of the most unique acts in all of professional wrestling. Giant man who can fly around and do awesome power moves. I'm a big fan of that. And outside the world of AEW and NXT, it's also a pretty kick-ass time to be a fan of professional wrestling because in the Impact world, uh, formerly known as TNA, they just had a giant influx of talents with uh, the return Eric Young, uh, the returning EC3, the returning or uh, the newly debuting Heath Slater. I now believe he's known as Heath Miller. Uh, and then, oh, by the way, 
Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, the Good Brothers, one of the best tag teams in the entire world, are now on Impact Wrestling, and they put on an amazing show this past Saturday at Slammiversary. Uh, if you're not paying attention to what Impact is doing now because of their previous life as TNA, I implore you, check it out. They're on Access TV, not the easiest channel to watch. I don't think I get it, unfortunately. But check out what they're doing on YouTube because I am very excited with what they're doing going forward. It is a great time to be a fan of professional wrestling. So yeah, Rab talked about how there are marks for AEW and there are marks for WWE. Hell, there are probably marks for Impact. And if, if, if it isn't their brand, they shit on everything. Don't be that guy because... You're a wrestling fan. You're listening to a wrestling podcast. Okay, I assume you're a wrestling fan because you're listening to a wrestling podcast. Just enjoy it, man. And to quote a YouTube presenter, Brian Zane, that I'm a big fan of, check him out with Wrestling With Regret. That's regret with a W. Like what you like and don't be a dick. Uh, I can't second that uh, hard enough. I, I agree on impact. It is... It's amazing to me. I don't understand how that company stayed in business. No kidding. All these years. And look, they have had some good storylines. You know, uh, back in the day, Taz was there for a while, and he and Bully Ray and some others had the Aces and Eight storyline and all mm -hmm. this other stuff. I just think that... That's where AJ the, Styles, that's where Samoa Joe, that's where AJ Christopher St Daniels came from. I, like, like, if you'd have told me, go back 10 years ago and be like, hey, FYI, most of the big players in Impact Wrestling are going to be the face of wrestling as a whole in multiple uh, divisions or companies, whatever you call it. I'm like, you're smoking crack. But, I mean, just look at who came up through Impact slash TNA and now where they are. Oh, by the way, uh, the Motor City Machine Guns are your new Impact Tag Team Champions, which, by the way, the Motor City Machine Guns might be one of the most unheralded, unsung tag team uh, tag teams of all time. They, like, if you watch the Young Bucks and watch the Motor City Machine Guns back in the day, be like, okay, I see where the Bucks get that from. Everybody wants to talk about how they're Hardy Boys ripoffs. No. I want, like, I would say the Motor City Machine Guns influenced the Young Bucks way more than the Hardy Boys did. But yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing to, um, uh, that impact has made it uh, through all these iterations, because I mean, when they when they were doing the weekly pay per views from uh, the asylum at the fairgrounds, fairground in Nashville, Nashville, baby, yep, which is no more by the way that building's gone. But hey, they built a new building, so you can have wrestling in a new building. Uh, <laughs> that's another podcast. I just have to I have to hate on the the fairgrounds marks who who want the fairgrounds but don't want any of it to be better uh, for whatever reason in Nashville. Yeah, that's a local cut, everybody. Anyway. Um, that iteration, and then it was uh, TNA, and they were on uh, FSN uh, in the afternoons, and that was interesting for a while, and then Spike, and it, it's, so, it's so interesting. Yeah, this is the company that should have died several times, but always found a way. This is the company that should have died several times. When they were on Spike, I think they were pulling about a million people, which if you're looking at, you know, AEW's pulling about three quarters of a mil, NXT's pulling... Uh, about two-thirds of a mil. So if you put that together, you got about a 1.3 million people watching wrestling on Wednesday nights, uh, which is about what Impact was doing, and that was considered a failure mm -hmm. uh, at the time. Uh, it's interesting to see this company reinvent themselves and reinvent themselves and somehow stay afloat, and they're in a good spot now. I mean, it, it's been 
a, a launching ground for guys who had a WWE run and it ended or, or never got a, a start or whatever it is to be able to go to Impact, come up with a, a gimmick, and then kind of ply their trade elsewhere. That's where Broken Matt Hardy comes from. Man, you know, yep. Cody and the Bucks at times uh, did stuff where they're, you know, when Ring of Honor and, and Impact and uh, it Taz and Kurt Angle. Uh, yeah. And, and Christian and, Cage. That's where Christian, Christian went to become Christian Cage yep. and became that main eventer that we, the fans, always knew he could have yeah. been, except and, and, Vince didn't want to push him. That way. Bully Ray wanting to get oh, away man. from being Bubba because in the WWE, they will only ever book him to be. Bubba Dudley, with who's the dumb backward, back, backwards redneck who puts people through tables. And his, and his Bully Ray, like, that was one of the best heel characters in the last decade. Like, such I a mean, great character. And the homegrown talent, AJ, AJ Styles, uh, Samoa Joe, uh, CD, uh, Frank Kazarian, Kazarian as well. Oh, yeah. So, I- Impact's been, it's been important because they've been able to stay afloat just enough to be somewhere else for guys to go. AEW is obviously in a better situation, but it just, you know, that is what it is. AEW kind of got a head start that Impact never got for whatever reason. Uh, but I'm glad they're all doing good. Uh, obviously, you need to go, we're, we're telling you to go listen to a lot of other podcasts, but make sure you finish this one first. <laughs> if you haven't listened to the Tizoc and His Shop uh, most recent edition, uh, you need to go do that. That'll uh, open some eyeballs. Yeah, the uh, talking sh- the, the the talking shop uh, uh, countdown to 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 F Town uh, <laughs> is what you're looking for. Ryan Satin basically uh, interviewing uh, the Good Brothers, uh, Gallows and Anderson about being in the WWE. Uh, which, since I'm bringing that up, we might as well transition to that because, man, some of the stuff they had to say, Dawes, was uh, interesting. Uh, to say the least, uh, I'm, I'm glad they feel like they're in a good spot. I hope uh, down the road uh, they can figure out a way to do some business uh, with AEW. Because, I mean, if that had come to fruition, holy Oof. crap, that first episode of Dynamite would have been interesting. Yeah, but what could have uh, been? Over, I overall, I, I'm just I'm glad they're out because I feel so bad for two dudes. Because what they they first. Okay, so uh, Gallows had had been in WWE before when formerly he was known as Festus. Yes, he had been a couple. It, it, didn't he do some stuff with Punk too? Like he was like a, a second to Punk. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was in the Straight Edge Society when Punk was running that. He was like, like you said, kind of his second. Uh, it's, he was younger in his twenties, and of course, made a big name for him in New Japan with. Uh, Anderson, and then they were in the Bullet Club with AJ, and then they came back because WWE wanted AJ, and that was twenty what twenty sixteen, and then the fall of twenty sixteen, they already already realized, hey, uh, the WWE is the drizzling shiz, and I don't want to <laughs> be here, and then they got worked by Triple H and 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 uh, Paul Heyman, which Paul Heyman can kiss my ass. Yeah, and that I'm was one of the Paul bigger Heyman revelations guy. you sent me. It's like, dude, I like I, I want to say I'm a Paul Heyman guy, but this podcast makes Paul Heyman sound like shit. And it's like, yeah, it kind of sounds like he straight up lied to him. And it's like uh-huh. something something that Anderson said, like 
Like, he even said it to Gallows. It's like, you know, everybody who always talks about Paul is like, yes, he's this great charmer, but he's a liar. Is he just charming us, and is he lying to us? Uh, narrator says, yes, yes, he was. So that was, that was disappointing. That, that was disappointing, and it took him until 2020 to get free. Oh, man. That's just... It's, it's, I don't, I don't understand what the, I don't understand what the heck is wrong with the WWE and why nobody there can see the forest through the trees, and, and it's in the same vein that I wouldn't wish death on Jerry Jones. The WWE is going to be a, a festering pile of doo doo until Vince McMahon bites the big one. And the bad news is his mother lived to be a hundred something. I think she's still alive. Yeah, she's, she's still too- alive. That she, was that was breaking news to me when he got on, on social and wished his mom a happy 99th that, birthday. It's like, oh my God, she's still alive? And I that, that, that ba- sounds really that, bad. But That battle axe is too mean to die, which means <laughs> Vince is too mean to die. Uh, so but, that means yeah, Vince it, McMahon is going to live to be like 304 Unfortunately, but yeah, it's, I don't want to give away the whole podcast, but man, it's some revelations to come out of the Good Brothers. I, I'm glad they landed where they landed. It, it, it's unfortunate they weren't able to do business with AEW, but again, they got. If Triple H has you come into his office and says, "What do you want?" Mm. You are stupid if you don't become the the. Hindsight's twenty twenty, but you were stupid if you were not the in person, real life version of uh, Batista uh, answering <laughs> back and saying, "Give, Give me, me what, what I, I want. want." Yeah, what do you want? What do you want? That's what WWE basically said. Hey, here's a blank check. You tell us what number sounds good to you, brother. And they said okay, and then immediately regretted it. But uh, hopefully they'll be able to smooth that over. They're going to be an impact. They've got a couple year uh, deal with impact. And at some point, maybe we'll see the good brothers in AEW. Although right now, honestly, I, I don't think it would be a good time to add another tag team to the roster. I think it's kind of loaded uh, as it is. But if they had been there initially, maybe there'd been some other teams uh, that um, may not be in the position they are now. And the most important thing, I think everybody, uh, where you're talking about the Good Brothers or you're talking about FTR, are uh, in a position where they're happy and they're not mm-hmm. having to deal with uh, such good shit, pal. <laughs> yep, that's the most important thing. Everybody involved seems to be happy. And on top of that, they're, 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 they're making pretty damn good money too, to be happy. Yeah, and I mean, look, we were joking about it before we uh, started recording the podcast. Uh, the, the talking chop a mania yeah. is going to be a pay-per-view that TNA is going to help. It, it, it's going to be a TNA pay-per-view that they filmed. Uh, well, I mean, the, the good brothers put the money up to film it, uh, but, uh, but, but impact TNA is, is going to help filter it, it yeah. through their channels to help it get broadcast. Uh, and that is going to be an ode uh, to cinematic uh, wrestling. <laughs> if there ever was one, um, do not watch that with your children. No, uh, no, don't. Just don't. like you shouldn't watch Adult Swim with your children. Yeah, Karen's. Karen. But they're in a good position. Like that's how much TNA but Impact believes uh, in in Gallows and Anderson. And it gets like you said, you're such a good. It's such a good time uh, for wrestling. Um, you can you can watch the 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 New Japan 
Uh, yeah, they, uh, the you've mentioned it a couple times just because of uh, the Young Bucks, Cody, and the Good Brothers. Uh, the Bullet Club, they knew, uh, now have a new leader in evil coming off of uh, the G1 uh, Super Cup. So once again, if you're a fan of New Japan, this is a kick-ass time to be a fan of it. Yeah, you get the New Japan stuff, and you got to do a little bit of work to be able to watch that. Because well, I don't think they're on Access anymore, right? No, they're not on Access, but they do have uh, the equivalent of the WWE Network, so you can sign yeah. up through. I believe it's legit called New Japan World. You can uh, download that and uh, pay a monthly subscription. Kevin Kelly, I believe, is on the call for those, so they yeah, do have Kevin an Kelly English and, broadcast. And one of the guys, I forget who it is, one of the guys who is the co-host uh, with the Good Brothers on that podcast, Rocky Romero. Rocky Romero, there you go. So you got that. Uh, Impact is on Access, and uh, it streams 24 hours a day for free on Pluto, although you just got to watch whatever random thing they're in the middle of. What the hell is Pluto? It's some free streaming service uh, on on your fire stick that Shane and I found one time because we wanted to watch Silence of the Lambs, and it was free. (laughs) Well, okay, then. That's a ringing endorsement. Just go ahead and put that on the side of the box. But you watch Impact, Ring of Honor, of course, is on the Sinclair local stations. And then also because Sinclair owns uh, Fox Regional Networks now, you can watch uh, uh, Ring of Honor. Uh, You know how to watch the WWE and you know that AEW is on Dynamite and YouTube. So if you are a wrestling fan, uh, pretty much the only, uh, outside of the indies, the only promotion that's kind of in a mess right now is, uh, domestically is, is NWA because they can't do their tapings. Although I think one of these days Billy Corbin's going to wise up and, and do what I said NWA has been doing, should be doing for a long time, which is not producing their own television. But uh, you know that's a that's another podcast. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan though because there's so much content Amen. and you will find something that you like. Like they don't uh, do it anymore. But even there was a time with like Lucha Underground and oh. their take on how they were doing. Uh, wrestling so there's just so much there's legitimately uh, good shit going on there it's uh, such good shit everybody (laughs) I miss Lucha Underground by the way like like I I can't find that streaming anywhere I've wanted to go back and watch Lucha Underground because like uh, there was legitimately some good stuff that happened in it like like it is just gone which bums me out I forgot too. There, there's MLW on BN, and then there's other ways that you can watch MLW if you can't find the BN network. So there, there's that, and that's kind of the the new. That's the the next generation. Some of these young guys who are starting to make a name for themselves in AEW and elsewhere uh, came out of mm-hmm. MLW or have uh, working arrangements where they can work for MLW and AEW or wherever. Pretty much as long as you don't try to go to the Evil Empire to the Death Star. Uh, <laughs> uh, they'll they'll let you do both uh, in MLW. I mean, that's what uh, MJF, uh, I, you know, uh, the Lucha Bros spent some time over there. Brian Pillman. Yep. Uh, the uh, latest Von Erichs. So it's all sorts of good wrestling right now. Yeah, great time to be a fan of the Sweet Science. And so with that said, uh, you know, one of the things... That, that I've always thought was uh, stupid uh, from the beginning, Dawes, and I think you'd agree, uh, is this idea of the Wednesday Night Wars. And I think it's something that the internet created because they're nostalgic and they like the Monday Night Wars. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was a legit war. Like, the WCW was trying to put the WWE out of business and vice versa. Now, unbeknownst to Ted Turner... And the folks running WCW, 
I don't think there's anything they could have done to put the WWF at that time out of business. And AEW or Impact or anybody else, like, who knows, like two years from now, Ring of Honor may be the biggest wrestling company in the world. Uh, it's a global pandemic, weird stuff. Yeah, so, uh, weirder stuff has happened. I mean, just go back 20 minutes or 15 minutes ago when Rab and I were talking about how not only is Impact still alive, they are thriving. And so, <laughs> the AEW's not going to put the WWE out of business because, uh, I don't know if you know, but Comcast, boo-coos of money. Fox, boo-coos of money. And those are just like unprecedented rights deals in wrestling. That's not how wrestling television usually works. And so they're not going anywhere. That said, I don't think... As long as TNT wants to keep helping AEW pay for production costs and AEW continues to uh, do very good uh, for Turner uh, in the right demographics, it's not going anywhere. <laughs> I, just, I, I think this whole focus on, oh, look, NXT beat AEW. Well, this week, uh, AEW beat NXT. But, Rab, you should, said the demos. That's the key word. I, we should be happy. Look. We need to figure out, because it, it's alarming, if you go back and look at the 90s, what there were probably five to seven, eight million people watching wrestling between WCW and WWF. Like, I don't know, but like at one time there were many more people watching wrestling. There was also less on television back then. And also the internet wasn't as big. And the internet, Yeah. <laughs> It's concerning that only a couple million people tune in for Monday Night Raw and, and SmackDown. But we should, be in, we should be encouraged that at one time, again, Impact was drawing, like if you look at a rating, it was like on cable, it was like a, a get, they're getting like a one, maybe a one and a half if they had a big episode. And when you translate that out nationwide, that's about a million, million and a half people. Spike pooed on that. And maybe even back then, Impact wasn't hitting the right demos. Now, you can be a much more niche product, and as long as you are making your partners happy, whether that's, hey, we like the overall rating you're drawing, or you're attracting in this specific audience, and we can market, to, market it to these um, uh, sponsors... That's why golf and tennis will always be on TV, even though I think golf and tennis are stupid, is because people who are affluent watch them. And so you guess who guess who wants to advertise on golf and tennis? Rolex. Guess what Rolex has? Money. Don't believe me? Ask Ric Flair. Woo. Woo. <laughs> and so um, I, I guess the point is, again, we just talk about you should just be a wrestling fan. And you should just enjoy wrestling. And I think you and I have gotten so frustrated over the last several weeks with the uh, ratings war marks. And I have some more to say, but I'm going to let you say your piece as well. Yeah, I mean, I just want to echo what I said earlier, stealing a line from uh, YouTube personality Brian Zane. Like what you like. Don't be a dick. It's a great time to be a wrestling fan. If you're a fan of any type of wrestling, there is a promotion out there catering to you and your taste. So enjoy that. Don't go shit on other people's enjoyment. And I will say, like, as a wrestling fan as a whole, 
I really don't care about the ratings. I don't care about the demographics. Like the only thing I care about is the actual wrestling itself. Like, like that's, that's, that's what I care about, but y'all do you and Chris Jericho, God bless you. I love you. You might legitimately be the greatest of all time. And I'm glad you got another nickname out of this. But when he broke out the ratings talk and the demographics in a promo and brought that internet backstage bullshit into the light, like it was a little bit cringeworthy. Did Jericho make it work? Absolutely. He did. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, that's, that's not what I'm tuning in for. But like I said, y'all do you. I think as a fan, I think there's a difference between, okay, I don't care about the ratings at all. Because obviously you should be concerned if it's not resonating with anyone. But I think to the extent that I as a wrestling fan should worry about that is I don't need Brian Alvarez's tweet every week because I think he's a little bit of an asshole anyway. <laughs> um, that's just the vibe I get. Like he's trying to like, like, okay, cool. So, you know, AEW got a quarter, three quarters of a million people to watch it. And uh, NXT got this or whatever. Here's the bottom line. It doesn't matter whether I have, and I'm going to use some inside terminology. It doesn't matter whether I have a, a five share, a 10 share, a, a 25 share, or I'm like Wivik, baby. And I have like a 50 share. What matters is that I can make my partners happy, that I am delivering the return on the investment that's expected that keeps it on television. Like, it doesn't matter if three-quarters of a million people watch it or seven million people watch it. Obviously, the other's a lot better. You make a whole lot more money if it's the other case. But as long as TNT's happy and AEW's on the air— I'm gonna be happy, and I don't care about the details, and you shouldn't either, because you know what I should be caring. You know what you should be caring about. What's gonna happen? Oh my God! Did you see that awesome match, the Elite Jurassic Express? That's what you should worry about as a wrestling fan. Yup. Not who's not what's better, because again, the different tastes for different folks. Some people like the WWE product. I don't understand what's wrong with their head, but some people <laughs> like that. And I will say, of all the brands. NXT is probably the best thing that WWE does. You might like that. At the same time, can also clown on WWE because they, uh, you know, basically just jerry-rigged an old banner. Oh my uh, god! From the last time they had the Great American Bash when it was a main card pay-per-view. I can clown them on that just like I can clown AEW for actually. Have it in Jericho didn't do that on his own. Nope. Tony Khan, like, Tony Khan didn't tell him what to say, but somebody said, "Hey, you should go explain the ratings, and that should be your segment." I can clown him for that. I can clown him for some of the other stuff they do, maybe having too many high spots and everybody's kicking out of everybody's finisher finishers, and now, uh, you know, uh, everybody's gonna have swings and misses. But um, just enjoy wrestling. If you really like Impact, good for you. If you really like watching Lucha Libre wrestling, good for you. If you enjoyed NWA Power, if you thought that was the best wrestling out there, go watch NWA Power on YouTube where there are no ratings, but there are views. 
which actually probably a better measurement than ratings. But anyway, <laughs> like just in your face, Nielsen. Sorry. Like just enjoy what you enjoy. Like I'll come home sometimes. I'll flip on Netflix. You know what's on Netflix right now? You know, I watched two episodes of the other day. You ever heard of the game show Supermarket Sweep? That's on Netflix. Yep. Really? There's like ten old. There's like fifteen old episodes of Supermarket Sweep where the people run through the the, yeah. super, the fake supermarket and try to buy as much food as they can. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I watch that like as a half a rib because like sitting there making fun of house moms who can't find the specialty marks Ajax to get the fifty dollar bonus. <laughs> um, I watch that. You know what a bunch of people apparently watch on Netflix? People play a real life The Floor Is Lava game. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna clown him for that. Can I? No, no. That's that's fine. That's fine. Keep if you back. want to. No, no. I. It, it would be hypocritical of me to to like having just echoed Brian Zane's line a couple times to then come in and, and and goof on them. Y'all like what you like. Be like what you, you like. Do don't, you don't worry about arguing. Oh, more people watched NXT. Yeah, but more people in the Prime demo. The only people who need to worry about that. Is Tony Khan and the executives that they deal with at TNT. Yep. And if it's Impact, the executives at Access. And in the WWE, the executives at NBC Universal and Fox. And the pay-per-view and the and the WWE network people that, you know, when they have a, a network special where they uh rip people's eyes out <laughs> that uh yes, that enough ha- people oh buy God, that. That happened. So we got about uh, 15 minutes or so uh, left uh, on the old podcast. So how about we just, you know, let, let, let's just address that elephant in the room real quick. Speaking of doing dumb crap. Boy, um, I part of me wants to give WWE credit for trying something outside the box, like in this case, very outside the box. But I mean, when when the the stipulation of your professional wrestling match is there can only be a winner when somebody loses an eye. Like, I just said that sentence out loud, and if you weren't a wrestling fan and you heard me say that, you'd be like, okay, well, Landon's gone insane. Let's go ahead and commit him. Because this past weekend, at it wasn't Extreme Rules. The title of the pay-per-view was... The horror show at Extreme Rules. Um, Seth Rollins and Rey Mysterio fought in an eye for an eye match where, once again, there could only be a winner when somebody lost an eye. And uh, Seth Rollins, quote unquote, took Rey Mysterio's eye out and then proceeded to vomit. So that was was a whole just visceral reaction that uh thanks for the heads up on that one wwe i feel bad for anybody who was trying to eat dinner while that was going on but yeah uh in 2020 the year of our lord macho man randy savage uh, we had a professional wrestling match that only stopped when somebody lost an eyeball rab what the actual f- it's just so di- it's just so disappointing, right? Because I haven't I haven't seen it. I don't know if you saw it, Daz, but like just that. Okay, so again, we go back to WrestleMania. 
the two cinematic matches, right? The Boneyard match, which was epic and was a great way of making so chicken great. salad out of chicken shiz because, you know, AJ and The Undertaker were supposed to have a match at Raymond James Stadium. And, and we just found Mania this out before before we went to recording. Metallica was supposed to play The Undertaker into the stadium, which as a metal kid and a wrestling fan, that just, oh, oh my God, I, mm, sorry. So, but you got the Boneyard match, and that was great. Oh, and so good. WWE did a, a great job, and, 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 and you know that's going to be uh, when we get to the end of the calendar year and we do our top five matches. There's no way that's not going to be in the top five unless yep. uh, the Young Bucks wrestle in Japan, <laughs> which which w- ain't going to happen. I was going to say if they can even get to Japan at that point, that'll probably get a mention in our top five if because the they will somehow Buck, have, the young- have, have uh, gotten past all these travel restrictions. If the Young Bucks drink a juice box in the Tokyo Dome and Dave Meltzer was there to watch it. 11 stars. Yep. And then you had the Firefly Funhouse match, which was awesome because it like broke all the rules and like broke kayfabe and made fun of everybody and still ended up being really good. Such good shit, pal. And that led to, guess what? The WWE is letting Bray Wyatt do like cool stuff. Yep. So they had the the Wyatt Swamp fight, which whatever that was, but again, it's embracing that cinematic element of wrestling, a la the Stadium Stampede and the Boneyard and the the Firefly Funhouse. Who would have thought that that five years ago, Lucha Underground would have been the template for all this stuff? Because when Lucha Underground was doing stuff like this, they got shat upon universally by the world of wrestling. I mean, you know. Sometimes good things come out of a pandemic. I mean, you also had all the stuff that Matt Hardy does, even though it's really weird, even though you and I understand what he's trying to do. It's still Mm -hmm. really weird to go to the Hardy compound (laughs) and be the multifarious Matt Hardy. But, like, it works because you're letting people be creative. Well, what's everybody talking about? Seth Rollins took Rey Mysterio's (laughs) eye out. And, no, he didn't really take Rey Mysterio's eye out, so you know it was something really stupid. It's just like, you know what? I don't have to know how they did that. That's just like, you know, Taz uh, will protect the business a little bit. He was doing an interview recently, and they were talking about a match he did where, like, they had a guy fall through the ring. The match, was that the match he did with Rhino? Uh, I think it might have been ECW? Bam Bam. Or Bam Bam. Anyway, yeah. He's done that. You know, they've done matches in the WWE. It was the big show, and... Uh, whoever... Brock Lesnar uh, broke, broke the, the ring. ring. Brock Lesnar broke the ring. A couple years ring. ago with uh, Braun Strowman. Uh, you know, uh, John Moxley and, uh, uh, Brody Lee went through the Brody stage. Lee had the false floor, uh, outside the ring at, at dynamite. Like, I don't even know how that stuff works. And then the ultimate warrior was behind that mirror that only Hulk Hogan or, uh, could see, but also the TV audience at home could see. So, you yeah, know, yeah, magic. I don't need to, I, I don't need the mass magician version of wrestling. I don't need to know how you do everything. Was it really cool that they showed you that the AEW ring crew is talented enough to like swap out the ring in three minutes after they dumped orange juice on everybody? I was okay to know that behind the scenes thing. But this eye for an eye thing is just stupid. By the way, uh, it looks like they just got like uh, an ever everlasting gobstopper and Rey Mysterio held it over his eyeball and we got like a like a second and a half glimpse at it and yeah ding 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 ring the bell so exactly they didn't even do anything good 
Like, I think an eye for an eye match could be really good if you had actually put some thought into, okay, how can we make an eye for an eye match really good? Well, one time in Japan, Vader almost had that, but it wasn't an eye for an eye match. His eye just came out of the socket, so. You know what I mean? But, like, they say everything's been done in wrestling, and, like, most of it has. (laughs) Maybe it's one of those... Maybe it's one of those things that, like, you just keep, you know, trying to, like, figure out how to do it and do it well, and it just doesn't compute. But, like, Vince got it in his head that we need to have a literal eye for an eye match. And he wouldn't let it go. It is going to be just good shit, brother. (laughs) And that's why, what, Seth puked on Ray? Uh, Seth threw up on the ground, but that was only after he saw Ray Mysterio's quote-unquote eye out, because he's like, oh my god, what did I have done? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's, that's my Seth that, Rollins. That, that's the 13-year-old in Vince. Oh, puke is funny. Yeah, yeah, uh, reports have shown that Vince McMahon thinks bodily fluids of all type are funny. I don't know. It's... We just did a whole <laughs> segment where we said, like what you like, and you don't have to crap on everything. But, but at I mean, the same so- time, there was a professional wrestling match that revolved around somebody losing an eye. So, like, we're not... I guess we kind of are shitting on it, but at the same time, like, this feels like the exception, not necessarily the rule. Sometimes stuff deserves... Like, stuff is not above... Like, if, if you just want to be, like, a hater just to be a hater because you want to be a WWE mark or you want to be an AEW mark or Stan or whatever the kids are saying, standing <laughs> for stuff... I'm not even sure I'm saying that right because I'm 32 years old and I'm grumpy, damn it. Yeah, we're, we're definitely not in, in the age I'm demographic in, to I'm say stand. I'm not in the right demo to understand what's going on. <laughs> um, it doesn't mean stuff isn't above criticism. And a lot of the stuff that the WWE does uh, deserves criticism. A lot of it. Hey, by the way, uh, Extreme, uh, excuse me, the horror show at Extreme Rules Results, Kevin Owens defeated Murphy, whoever the heck Murphy is. Oh, he's uh, good. Pre-show singles match. Again, because I'm the guy who does a a wrestling podcast that doesn't watch WWE. (laughs) Um, Cesaro and Shinsuke defeated the New Day. Finally. uh, For the uh, Tag Team Championship. And I love me some New New Day, but I'm glad that uh, Shinsuke and Cesaro have the straps. A new SmackDown tag champs. Uh, Bailey with Sasha Banks defeated Nikki Cross with Alexa Bliss. So, unfortunately, Chris Cross, uh, Bliss Sauce, or whatever the heck that was <laughs> that we called it, that I was just infatuated with at WrestleMania. Uh, By the uh, way, Sasha Banks and Bailey and Asuka have probably been the highlights of the WWE outside of NXT. So, we want to talk about good stuff going on in the world of professional wrestling. It would the be, women's division. It would be irresponsible of us not to mention those three. I'm not going to mention the entire women's division because a couple weeks ago, we did get an honest-to-God karaoke contest on Friday Night SmackDown involving four women. But anyway, Bailey defended her... SmackDown Women's Championship is against uh, Bliss Cross Applesauce. So there you go. Uh, U.S. Uh, champ uh, MVP uh, defeated Apollo Crew uh, by forfeit. Yeah, we uh, don't so know where Apollo the, Crews is. So that's we don't story. know where Apollo Crews is, but uh, MVP's, I guess, your uh, U.S. champ now. Quote-unquote. Uh, uh, Seth Rollins, like we said, <laughs> vomited after he removed Rey Mysterio's gumball eye. In the eye for an eye match. Oh my god! I can't believe I'm. It's just so stupid. It's such good shit. Oscar uh, retained 
the Raw Women's Championship no contest versus Sasha Banks. No, they do have a rematch on this upcoming Monday, so we'll see what, what comes out of that. Uh, see, this is something I actually like, right? So, uh, WWE Championship match. Drew McIntyre defending against Dolph Ziggler. Extreme Rules match, right? Because it's Extreme Rules. Anything goes. The horror show at Extreme Rules. The horror show at Extreme Rules. Anything goes. Beat your opponent into a bloody pulp. Mass transit too. Whatever you want to do. Electric boogaloo. Well, it was only for Dolph Ziggler. But, but only for Dolph yeah. Ziggler. Yeah. How cool is that? That, my friends, that is how you have a stipulation in a match. Interesting wrinkle. Drew McIntyre got the win, and Bray Wyatt defeated Braun Strowman in a Wyatt Swamp fight, whatever the heck that actually is. So, yeah, that's what happened at Extreme Rules is a guy fake took a guy's out, a guy's <laughs> eye out, and it didn't look good. Yep, that's all anybody's talking about. Like, like uh, the Ultimate Warrior could have come back from the grave. The only thing people had been talking about was, hey, did you see Seth Rollins take Rey Mysterio's eye out? That's that that that's it. That was another thing that come out of the uh, Good Brothers podcast. They talked about going to Saudi because they would go do the Saudi shows, oh, and they're the ones that got stuck there for like eighty-seven hours. Uh huh. Yeah. And they were talking about the sheiks in Saudi Arabia, like are oh, so yeah. in their own uh-huh. world that they didn't know that like the Ultimate Warrior and Yokozuna and stuff were dead. Yeah, they specifically asked for Yokozuna, so that's why some, I think his name is Aki Bono, showed up for one match and one match only. <laughs> big old fat sumo wrestler. Cause, hey, can, can, hey, you uh, know what? One big fat sumo wrestler is just as good as the other? Question mark. Wow, that sounds really racist. I apologize. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah. The Ultimate Warrior apparently was going to come back in Saudi Arabia because the sheiks have enough oil money that if you can figure out how to, you know, raise people from the dead, they'll pay for it. Hey, it brought Shawn Michaels out of retirement for one match. So, I mean, like, it didn't bring in somebody back from the dead, but but it's close. Uh, Good old Shawn Higginbotham. Yep. Michael Higginbotham. Michael Hickenbottom. Anyway, whatever. We need to stop, dude. I'm getting. I think I'm. I think I'm getting delusional with the stupid. Yeah. So let's uh, let's head to the plugs. Uh, Good brother Rab. Where can the lovely listeners find you? Hey, you can follow the Good Brother Rab on Twitter at Rab. Will check me out. I host Off the Bench. We uh, talk sports, occasionally a little bit of pro wrestling when uh, uh, the Dawes are a uh, fellow East Tennessee fin- friend of the program. Uh, friends of the program, I should say, Vinny uh, Ferrara or Michael Shibley hop, hop on as well because they're wrestling fans. Uh, but we talk sports. We chop it up Monday through Friday, uh, 11 to noon. As I like to say, the tagline on the intro, we talk about the day's top stories in sports and uh, your favorite team. So what's going on in uh, Southern uh, sports? Uh, there's a podcast of that. You already know how to get a podcast on the Apple Podcast platform. So subscribe to WCDT Radio. And uh, they... Uh, we'll tell you when there's a new episode of uh, Off the Bench. And uh, hopefully, uh, sooner rather than later, the TSSAA figures out how to read a book and raise their hands, and they'll let me broadcast some high school football this fall as well. And if, if not, then uh, your boy's going to be hurting. But uh, that's what I got going on uh, on the old day job. 
Follow me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Landoz, L-A-N-D-O-Z. That's where you can find the latest from me. 280 characters at a time. I also on our website, buttmunchchips.com. That's where you can find a bunch of old, out-of-date uh, episodes of Nearfall Radio. Also, if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, uh, there's a complete rundown of Season 7 and 8 uh, from myself and a couple other characters. I also appear on the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. That is a podcast about the Walt Disney World Resort and all of the parks surrounding it. Uh, there's been some news coming out of that with Florida continuing to, uh, continuing to explode with coronavirus, but it is still open for uh, reasons. Also, during my day job, I uh, produced the Phil Show on News Talk 98.7 WOKI, radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, uh, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, streaming worldwide at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk 987 app as well. Those are available in the iTunes store. So, Rab, any thoughts on the way out the dough? Hey, just keep it safe, folks. Uh, you know, these times, uh, if you don't believe social distancing and, and things of that nature work, I just want to point to the sports bubbles. Now, granted, uh, they're doing an extensive level of testing because they have resources, uh, but um, basically those bubbles work because they're isolating the healthy people away from the not healthy people. And so we can do that in society. And if we want football this fall and uh, we want uh, people uh, to be able to be uh, employed and not have to go into complete shutdown, uh, stop being a jerk, uh, wear a mask. It's not that inconvenient. Uh, Socially distance, that's not that inconvenient too. And sooner rather than later, we'll be getting back to, to normal life. Yep, well said. Wear your damn mask, wash your damn hands, and uh, be damn safe. So for The Will Rab, I am A. Landon Doan. Thank you for joining us on the edition of Nearfall Radio. You've been great. We've been Nearfall. Thank you very much. Them boys are good. Yeah, they're good. They're good. I mean, I'm still whoop their ass, but they're good. I'm so stupid. Uh, (laughs) That's going to be our secret sound of the week, too. Producer Mark Tape.